Now drop your weapons, or I'll kill him with this deadly jelly baby. Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. Hola, mi nombre es Colin. And Jeremy's still here. I haven't left yet. <laughs> tonight we're going to be talking about The Face of Evil, which is the very first story featuring Leela. And what a companion Leela is. She was brought on because um, she was obviously a rather good, fetching young lady, and uh, this happened to be put on right after the football results. So they wanted to make sure that the doc, the, so the Doctor Who was watched by all the dads out there. Well, this definitely worked because the ratings did slightly go up, especially for this story. There are almost twelve million people watching this story in England. Yeah, I can see why. I, I, I can see this being pretty controversial for its time. I mean, I, I may be wrong. May, I, I wasn't in, you know, London at this I time. I wouldn't say controversial. I, I think the dads thought it was very interesting. It was a controversial among the football-watching dad population. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean... It's like, even in in modern age, like, I always heard, like, Leela, leather bikini, and this was not quite a bikini. I mean, she was showing on skin here. Yeah, Um, and she had some beautiful skin. I I mean, I'm not going to deny that. She is a beautiful woman, but I think we're all dancing around the elephant in the room that she's very flat. Huh? She doesn't have any breasts. She's a very flat woman. I didn't <laughs> notice there that. Could be, there could I, be, you know, some I other didn't. dimensions there. <laughs> no. I, I think I think she People had plenty plenty in that department. I think I, I just think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think she was that flat. Yeah, I didn't think she was that flat either. Uh, but at any rate, um, I think not only that, but she's, she's an excellent actress, and she, she, she also yeah. had. I even though she's playing a savage. Leela ends up becoming, uh, even in just this story, she's got some intelligence behind her. Well, she is. She's intelligent. She just doesn't have the information. But even before she has any information, she's already battling against, you know, the powers that be and being like, this this is stupid, you guys. The only demands of her regular uh, life are really more warrior-centric than, you know, intellectual or anything like that. True, but she also has already jumped to the conclusion that Zawanin is not all that he claims to be, and or and that uh, the yeah, evil one may not. doesn't have the reasoning capacity, less so like the reasoning experience of a lot of different dimensions that we might think are culturally attuned to being smart, like we see the Doctor. At. Correct, but I will say that this is Chris Boucher's first story that he writes for Doctor Who, and he goes on to write the Robots of Death, which will be coming up on actually next I believe and um, but oh, Chris Boucher is one of my favorite writers of classic Doctor Who he went on to write uh, a few novels 
with the do- Fourth Doctor and Leela, and they're actually very good to read. Um, I, very fun to read. But he's also the king of one-liners. He comes up with these quotes all throughout his stories. That Especially Ed, this one, man. Well, and, and even the Robots of Death, too, has a lot of them. But it's just like all of his one-liners are just so obvious and so perfectly timed and just, I don't know, he... He wrote very beautifully for the fourth Doctor and for this era. And the plot line that he came up with, where the Doctor, in in his current guise, went back, went on an adventure we never saw on his own, and obviously created this kind of supercomputer with dual personalities. And it obviously went insane uh, because the Doctor didn't realize it, he had created a life form. That's pretty fun. It was. And, like, I also, I really liked the part where it was, like, you know, you had the survey team that went out to survey the planet while the tech team stayed back and maintained the computer. And, you know, just because this computer separated them for generations and, you know, messed with their environments and stuff, like, they just quickly devolved into primitive societies, as you would Mm -hmm. in a place where you can't, you know, develop more technology and stuff. And, like, just they both came to very similar religions because it was all based on their mission profiles mm-hmm. that they'd gotten and it just like watching all of their you know old you know cannibalized spacesuits and stuff be used as religious garb and yeah. you, you know hearing all of the stories coming through it just it was done so well and it was like so believable that the stories could fall apart to that level within you know mm-hmm. a few generations of this I mainly like the way the story the show don't tell like the first time you get to see the the altar and like him just walking in there and stuff like at first you're like wait that's a fax machine or something like that and you're just like yeah so those are tubes hanging down from those trees yeah yeah okay I, I, I see what's happening here there's something going on with this technology stuff and then he puts I gotta I, I say the glove the glove helmet was the best but <laughs> the first helmet which he didn't wear like a helmet I just kind, kind of kind of wanted to fix for the first like just on your head, put it on your head. Well, it's the hand of Zoanon, so it makes sense that he's wearing the gloved yeah. helmet. I like the fact that that the the Savat team and the Tesh are the actual names of the original mm-hmm. uh, the original names of the the surveyors. Mm-hmm. And uh, State of Decay, which we just recently watched, actually had that kind of same language uh, being passed down generation upon generation that ch- evolves and changes but is the same exact thing as it was before. Um, I like that kind of aspect to some of these stories and it's very realistic and very it, it happens here on earth. So I, I do like that aspect of it too. Yeah, I thought the whole the whole concept altogether and the set design was really good. It was and, and you know I, I thought it was pretty consistent like even just like having geode threads throughout the cave scenes. Yeah. Uh, they, they really did seem like they were making the most of their budget when it was coming to scenery. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think they, they did spend a bit of money on the set design. Maybe not so much on the special effects themselves, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, so, I yeah. mean, I do like the uh, the huge Tom Baker face and the, the way that it looked like the, the Doctor and Lilo were standing right next to it actually worked... Mm-hmm. Fairly decently. Yeah, it looks like a Hokage on the cliffside right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then he's climbing up over his teeth and down his throat. I did not think we'd have a Naruto reference in, in uh, Doctor Who until today. <laughs> <laughs> Here we are. 
here we are indeed. We also have Leela going around stabbing people with poison Janus thorns and killing them. And the doctor watches yes. her do this many times and saves only her. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I only can say that I think out of all the companions, like, she comes in with, like, a, a kill list. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. And like also just jumping to the end, like her pushing her way into the TARDIS yeah. and just like being like, I'm taking this thing up. I'm not you're not leaving me here. <laughs> uh, it's like one of the best endings of Doctor Who I've, I've ever seen, I think. I mean it, it, introduction of, of a you know, at least the best ending scene for the intro of a companion. It's the it's very Leela though. I mean she is a go getter. She's not gonna be held back. And that's a good thing. This is kind of a the later 70s or the mid-70s, and and Leela kind of represents uh, just women kind of progressing forward and taking charge and making sure that they have their voice, and she's not going to hold back. But she's also, like, really smart about it because she does obey the Doctor in a lot of scenarios where other companions are like, no, I'm not going to be quiet and keep down. I'm a, I'm a free woman. And, like, Leela's like, no, I understand the intelligence of this. I'm a warrior, and I get it. Well, yes. You know, when you're giving me... T- Tactical advice, I will follow it. But then, you know, when he's telling her something stupid, like, no, you can't come with me, she's like, screw that. Because <laughs> <laughs> she knows she can. She knows that he likes her. And, I mean, why not? Why not? Why yeah. wouldn't she go with him? <clears throat> and she doesn't want to be stuck back on this developing society where, where she doesn't fit in with anyone. Anyway. Yeah, she doesn't really fit in anymore. And she, you know, it's also fun because, you know, a lot of characters in Doctor Who are seeking power. And Leela's, like, handed power that everyone's been seeking this whole episode. And she's just like, I don't want that. (laughs) I'm getting out of here, which is a very Doctor-like move. Yep. I need to ask a question in Elephant Room. Now, I know casting takes time and you need to get just the right number of actors. Not too many actors. But could they have had any other women bit roles, like, just for the side, because... Like, just to have a woman in there that wasn't Leela? Yeah, like, have a Tesh. Since Leela is... Oh, no, what we saw the Tesh, like, I didn't see another girl. I don't know what's going to happen to this population really fast now. I'm sure that they were there, it's just that they weren't represented well. Yes. (laughs) Only the warriors were allowed on camera. (laughs) It was a special case. Well, and they probably weren't necessarily the ones that were fighting, nor were they the ones debating at that point, because they were a savage kind of group. Mm-hmm. And the Tesh, we only saw like three or four Tesh altogether anyway, so the budget mm-hmm. probably didn't have a whole lot of space to add more. They put all the budget into all the trees they had to put into this background and staging. And, stuff. and, and it's interesting because maybe they thought, well, okay, we, we, don't, we have a lot of people that have to die, so we're going to kill off all the men. <laughs> it's a little bit more pleasing to the general audience. But I don't, I mean, nowadays, you can, I mean, it's usually the woman that gets killed first, especially the younger ones, <laughs> especially in Doctor Who. But I don't think it's a matter of who got killed. They weren't there to start with. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> I'm just saying. To start with and just to be there. They yeah. killed off screen before all of this whole episode. <laughs> all I'm saying is... Could be. If I... If, if, all I'm saying, I'm not... I don't want to see. It's not the biggest thing in the world. I get it. It's it's staffing. It was noticeable. It, 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 was, noticeable. it, was, it was very noticeable. Because when she left, I'm like thinking to myself, like, well, that's a sausage party now. <laughs> 
Well, you know, it reminds you of is that that one where the doctor is like running through a spaceship and they go through several rooms that clearly have the same actors in it, but like <laughs> they're like supposed to be different people, but like Nightmare they're all white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They all look the same, too, because yeah. they all have the same goggles and the same hats and the same noses and everything else, and it's just like, ugh. And they all were just the same. Maybe if there were more women in this society, an insane computer wouldn't have been able to take over. <laughs> Maybe. Well, that would definitely be true if I'm, you were there. Well, we? the woman was the only one talking sense. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that Facts. was the point. Facts. That was the point. But it was, you know, kind of interesting that this computer was totally able to cope with its own existence and everything else as long as it didn't have the doctor's personality involved. Yeah. Oh, it was once, once the doctor's personality is like, that's just like, yeah. Well, the doctor kind of does represent chaos. He's a rebel. He he goes off and and, and totally disobeys. All about order. Disrupts so. exactly. space and time itself. Yes. Excuse me. Exactly. So I'm just saying, his he, it makes sense that he. It's he a clash would, between chaos and order. Yeah. Well, and that's why it goes insane. It's developed. Uh, it's developed into a life form. It's got its own personality, but it can't figure out which personality to go with and it can't figure out which side of logic and reasoning to go with and it's just too much for it to handle so it goes to the exact opposite of what logic and reasoning is and goes emotional and kills everybody off if it so chooses that's not good but it is interesting that it repre- that also that the the Sabatim and Tesh represent the two sides of the computer it's trying, trying. It's in turmoil, and it's got two sides of it Again, warring it's against each other. Overly ordered and overly chaotic. Yes, and that's and that's shown in the whole storyline. So the, there's a lot of parallels that just are interwoven into this one story. I will say that some of the acting was pretty hokey at, at times, uh, especially with some of the sa- savages. It was just kind of like. Uh, groaning and kind of like yeah, oh, but I have to say I, I did like the nice touch of the non-savages and whenever they agreed on a point or talked on the same thing in unison they would all go in unison and bow down with great arms as if they were doing the wave together <laughs> they were all about good flexibility you know make sure you can touch your yeah, toes it's good. yeah it's a really and, good and more, more than that I imagine like it's a really ingrained great ritual instead of just thinking it once in your head after you all have consensus then you build it and think about it for another second and bring it into your actual kinesthetic memory, bowing down. And the ritual is more important than, you know, urgency of anything else. That might be our future in Aurelia. One savage, though, did have a nice backstory, well, not backstory, but story arc, I should say, and that was Neva. Neva actually goes from the most dedicated and the most brutally... Um, religious to realizing that he's been duped and wanting to destroy what he's been duped by. And he really makes a big difference. It's like the crazy religious extremist guy saves the day, and that never happens in Doctor Who. Another, it never happens, but it's kind of nice. It's kind of a nice transition, and it, it kind of helps represent people that are religious in a sense. Yeah, it was great. It was a great showing. Yeah. I, I I like that. It, you know, and it's you know different. What I really liked about their religion is that like they're 
the you know their their hand gesture that they would do yep. was the you know checking the seals on a spacesuit. I mean, it just it makes sense. I mean, because a lot of times when you want to make a religious gesture, you're you know trying to ward off evil. You're trying to make sure that you know mm-hmm. you're safe and protected, Tradition. and that's what you do when you check the seals in your spacesuit. And mm-hmm. it just like it, there were so many details about this that were just very cleverly thought out. Well, mm-hmm. and that's where Chris Boucher comes in. He's very heavily detail oriented. Mm-hmm. Read his books, and he and just reading the first paragraph, he's going to have detail. Mm-hmm. Um, he's kind of like Tolkien in the fact that when he do, creates a world or a society, he goes all out and just and creates it before he actually creates the story. And so he he makes it well thought out. He makes it logical. He any any and unfortunately, Chris Boucher just passed away recently. Aww. We we did announce that um, probably about a, two months ago, maybe a month and a half ago. But yeah, he was he was one of, one of the very last writers from classic Doctor Who that is now no longer with us from the sixties and seventies. Um, he just sadly passed on. Well. We were blessed to have had him writing for the show then. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. And that's all the writers out there. Yeah. <laughs> Any other thoughts? Well, it seems like it's time to rate. What, what do you think about this episode, Michael? <laughs> <laughs> well, this is one of those episodes where I don't... It's kind of hard to place. It has a very good, well-written story, but I, I sometimes feel like the execution lets it down a little bit. So it's not like in my top 30, 40, 50 stories, for sure. Um, I think some of the characters are just kind of there. Uh, the leader of the Sabbath team is, has a Which very quick, quick end. The original one. Um, and then the one that takes over is very much the same character throughout the whole story. Uh, so it, it does. There's a lot of non-development, which I think makes sense because I think those characters are supposed to remain the way that, that way. It's just that they're very uninteresting. Um, I care a lot about Leela. I think Leela is one of um, the better companions uh, of the classic era, and definitely one that um, I don't mind watching. <laughs> I think I made that clear earlier. Um, but also, it's not that she's just pretty. It's that she actually can hold her own as a companion. She makes a huge dent in all of Doctor Who as one of those companions that stands up for herself, who looks after herself, looks after the Doctor, not, and is excruciatingly loyal to the Doctor. Even in this story, it's quite evident that she's going to be one of the most loyal companions the Doctor will ever have throughout the whole history of the show. Um, That's key in making it a good um, presentation. Interestingly enough, Tom Baker hated the idea of Leela. He did not like the whole idea of her, mostly because it wasn't Elizabeth Slayton, and he was just reeling from losing Elizabeth Slayton, who had just left. Um, Which is Sarah Jane Smith. Yeah, Sarah Jane Smith was was Tom Baker's companion, although she technically was also John Pertwee's and David Tennant's to a certain degree. But Tom Baker really loved her and was really heartbroken and kind of took it out on Louise Jameson a little bit. And hey, was, I think we all do that sometimes with our own doctor reincarnations, and it takes us a while to re, yeah. you know, warm up to them from time to time. True. I mean, I, 
but, I think it's a silly match. But I will, I will commend Louise and even Tom to some degree that they don't show that in the rapport because they do have a rapport on screen. And I think Tom Baker actually did like Louise Jameson. I, and now he loves her. I mean, the, the two of them get along famously right now. And I think Tom eventually realized that Leela was a success. Mm. It's just that she wasn't Elizabeth, and it was harder on him at that time. I, mean, I would say that in general, though, this story does look good overall. There are some decent effects uh, mixed in with the bad ones. I would say this probably get, would get a 7 out of 10 for me. I'd like to go next. Go for it. All right, I'm going to start by saying I love Leela. She's one of my top companions. Uh, I also happen to be a huge fan of the show Futurama, where one of the main characters, Leela, is based on this Leela. So check it out. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just think that she is just so interesting and awesome, and she just, like, rolls in with her t- entirely own way of doing things, but, like, is also, you know really effective companion to the doctor in like every way and it's awesome i think that this story was really well written and it was you know a really interesting concept on it i think that the set was good i mean to be honest when you first see the set and you see all those tubes hanging down in the trees you're kind of wondering man this was in the 70s is this just like they did a really bad job (laughs) and then like later you find out no that was intentional it was actually very well done and yeah i think that this was um was a good one i I thought it was, you know, well illustrated that, you know, although a lot of the people were pretty unreasonable, they were, like, believably unreasonable, more mm-hmm. so than a lot of characters we see in Doctor Who. Um, I am going to give this one a 9 out of 10. Mm-hmm. I go next. So, this one I thought, like, I, I love those elements of showing the story, not telling you the story. You know, letting you kind of piece everything together. Again, all the little things, the wires throughout in the trees and everything, as well as in the camp, in the the tribe, um, just the outfits themselves. Like this isn't like at first you're like you look at them and like yes, okay, this is like you're using leather. Then you look at everyone else, you're like wait, but that's like all metal. You see the gong, and I'm just like oh, oh, okay. I mean, if you haven't figured it out by by the time you see the gong, you should have figured this stuff out. But that's one of those things, and I think there was, you, you, people had motivations. It wasn't just like everyone was set there for willy-nilly just to be there, or just to be, be window dressing. I mean, there were some, I think there was a couple uh, techs, or Tesh, was it Tesh or Tesh? Tesh. I mean, it was Tesh, but it was devolved from Tesh. I so. know, so I keep it Tesh. <laughs> so, the Tesh, I think... They reuse like two actors that die over and over again for them. I think. Did they? I, <laughs> I didn't so. even I, notice. I didn't. I, didn't I, didn't it. I mean, they all look the same. Like I, I only could tell the leader apart, really. Um, but beyond that, like it was just a, a good overall story. Would I say it's like really tough? I, 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 I'm kind of like arguing where I want to put this, but I think I'm going to put this at like an eight point five for me. But. Overall, again, good story. I thought Leela was it was a fun like introductory character, and I'm gonna say one thing: considering we've seen how the Doctor d- deals with not how Tom Baker deals with not liking an actress, 
and, and working with them, if he did not like Leela's actress, he did a great job acting that showing in 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 on on uh, screen. Oh, I should yeah. mention that he didn't mind the actress. It was more that he didn't like the character. Oh, okay. He thought it was too savage, too violent for. Yeah, it was the, the idea show. of it. You know, oh, yeah. it was like okay. when he heard like, "Oh, we're bringing in this character." Yeah. You know, on the heels of this loss. Yeah. What are we doing here? Okay. Um, Colin. Um, one of the rare episodes where we saved the best for last. Um, <laughs> this was this was in a, a lot of great respects, a great episode, and I think really good storytelling here. Um, we had fun side characters along the way, um, and I really like the teasing of the doctor facing himself <laughs> throughout the episode as well. I thought that was really fun, and it brought onto an instant like monumental scale. You know, we've seen the doctor take on, you know, whole civilizations, multiple worlds, you know, arguably universes and other things at other times. So when he might be his own worst enemy, maybe with him getting a little bit more strategy and behind it, like, man, I, I think that's powerful, um, just in general. And Leela was a fantastic character. Um, it, I think she was really different from a lot of other companions that I'd ever seen before and in an exciting way, mm-hmm. too. Um, in, in some respects, truly foil the doctor instead of just, you know, going along with the doctor. Mm-hmm. You know, so definitely a companion, but in another sense, you know, a little bit antagonistic to, I think, what the doctor might um, be about as we see at the very end, which I think is my favorite end to a story where a companion is introduced, where uh, Leela really just runs away with the TARDIS and actually says, wait, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and really just forces herself into the role. Um but I, I like that a lot. I think there was a um, great setting, as we talked about beforehand. Um, and this was a fun in a lot of respects. But, yeah, it, it's not it's not going to be one that's going to be on my top whatever lists. I don't feel the urge to go back and rewatch it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, I was toying between, you know, two kind of poles here, and I'm going to have to break the integer rule and taboo, and I'm going to go with, with a 7.5. So those are our perspectives. What what do you think? Are we right? Are we wrong? Um, leave us some well, comments. Are some more right than others? Yeah. I think we're uh, conveying our opinions, which aren't necessarily wrong at all. Well, so. no, yours, right. yours are. No. <laughs> I honestly <I, I> <laughs> think they're right. I do. I think yours are right. I think Jeremy's are right. And I think Shelby's are right. So yours is wrong. Gotcha. Good to know. We're all on the right side. So everyone's on the right, and that's a good opinion to have. Is I, it? I, I'm going to rate that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, you certainly can. What would you rate it out of a 10? Um, approximately... 